The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 34, The Demons That Haunt Us, Part 3. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all your restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who've experienced them, and share them with you, right here. We're currently looking for more personal ghost stories or haunted locations, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to thenightoutpodcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. I couldn't be more excited about the episode you're about to hear, but I feel it's important to give you all a heads up that in this series, more than previous ones, we touch on several important and sensitive topics including mental health, addiction, domestic violence, and abuse. The stories, opinions, and healing practices expressed by the subjects or the Night Owl team are not meant to be taken as authoritative or professional endorsements or recommendations when it comes to the causes, interventions, and or solutions or treatments surrounding mental health, addiction, or abuse. A single mother, Luna, along with her teenage son Finn and young daughter Shiloh, had to recently flee their home due to the unsettling activity that they were experiencing. Unable to afford staying in a hotel for an extended amount of time, the family has since returned to their residence. However, they now live in fear that whatever has been tormenting them the past seven years is going to strengthen its attacks against them. In part one of this series, in my interview with Luna, she recounted in detail the plethora of unusual phenomena the family were experiencing. Phantom putrid odors knocking on the walls, shadow figures, full-bodied apparitions, and even physical attacks such as scratch marks and people being thrown. These attacks, however, seemed to be focused around her son, Finn. So we turned our attention to him. An occult specialist, Alexis, and I had a theory that he could possibly possess some level of psychic ability. This could also be a reason why the activity was ramping up in the home. So in part two of this series, through a more in-depth interview with Finn, we not only got further validation of his mother's experiences, but also learned of new activity in new areas of the home that was very concerning most notably voices that Finn and his sister Shiloh had heard, and without knowing, described the sound of the voices as plotting. Alexis and I also believed that the family's action to demolish the hallway bathroom may have just displaced whatever was there, and could potentially have aggravated it. The conversation with Finn regarding the incident in Shoal Creek, where he witnessed a young boy's death and the spirit of Brian who seemed to follow him after the event, further solidified our theory that he very likely possessed some level of psychic ability. Now that we'd gathered as much information that we could through interviews, it was time to visit the home and do a full investigation. So join me as I bring my team members Alexis, Franklin, and psychic friend Sarah to try to determine what is really tormenting this family, and if there's any way we could possibly help them feel safe in their home once again. Stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp Online Therapy is a convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online solution to your therapy needs. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash and start living a better life today. This podcast is also sponsored by Chime, a new kind of online bank that helps members get ahead by making managing their money super easy. It's your money. It's your life. So chime in. Check out all the advantages Chime has to offer at chime.com slash If you aren't already a Patreon supporter, please consider joining at patreon.com slash the Night Owl podcast. 
In exchange for a small monthly donation, you gain access to exclusive videos, audio, interviews, behind the scenes, live streams with myself, Sarah, and Alexis, venue walkthroughs, and more. A quick call to action to our Night Owl family out there. We're trying to expand our show so we can produce more episodes and travel with our team to new cities and even new states. You can help us achieve this by simply doing the following four things. Follow or subscribe to our show on your podcast listening app. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a review. And lastly, share your love for the show on social media. We appreciate your support. It was the evening of May 18th, and my team and I were slowly arriving at Luna's residence. I was quite nervous, having been the only team member that knew all the intimate details of this haunting. I also was still dealing with a personal tragedy and wasn't 100% emotionally, physically, or spiritually. Not a good state to be in if you're going into a turbulent spiritual location. To make matters worse, the one guy on the team I trusted with spiritual protection, Alexis, just called and informed me he was going to be very late and to start without him. What this meant was that I was going to need to go into the home for an initial walkthrough solo. And Sarah had also already informed me that there was someone or something in that house that didn't want me there. It's 8.05 on May 18th, and we're at a residence in East Austin. Is it safe for me to go and get a, get a walk around? I won't let you take anything home with you. <laughs> That's not the answer I wanted. Something's going to get on you. I'll take it off later. I'll take it off later. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, team member Franklin arrived, and I wasn't going to have to do this walkthrough entirely solo. But as we know, Franklin is our team skeptic and mostly our tech guy, so I was still missing Alexis. But Franklin and I were going to do our initial walkthrough, and I wanted to get a full lay of the land. Have Luna and the kids show me all the locations of their experiences while Franklin would take readings and look for any anomalies or rational explanations for their experiences as well. It's unlocked though, so... That's perfect. Okay, so... So guide us, yeah, so where are we right now? We're in the, we're in the hallway, the entrance, and straight across is the dreaded bathroom where I've had most of my experiences or, you know feelings of discomfort but i'm gonna just go like counter i guess counterclockwise makes sense to me so we used to have upon entering the home we were standing directly in the home's hallway straight ahead we could see a single closed door at the end of the hall this was as luna just called it the dreaded bathroom where finn was attacked and every member of the family feels uneasy it was currently gutted nothing like it used to be but we couldn't see this as it was behind the closed door at the moment. But let me take you listeners through the rest of the home so you can visualize this space. It'll be important to remember where certain rooms and locations of activity are for later. As I stated, when you walk through the front door, you're standing in the hallway. Immediately to the left is Finn's bedroom, a room in which Luna slept in briefly upon moving into the house where she felt very uneasy and like she was being watched all the time. Finn has troubles with his closet, and Luna admits that always gave her an uneasy feeling during her time in that room as well. Finn has had many incidents in this room, including sounds, smells, and feelings of being watched. Stepping back out into the hallway, directly across from Finn's room, on the opposite side of the hall, opens up into the living room. It has a large front-facing bay window that looks out into the front yard. 
This is the room in which all the family members see the small dark bug-like thing scurrying on the floor. It's also from this room that guests have reported seeing an older man peeking at them from the kitchen. This side of the house's layout is open, so the living room opens up into the dining room which opens up into the kitchen in the far back right corner of the house. But if you were to move back up the hall past Finn's room, there are two more doors on the left just before you get to the dreaded bathroom door. The first door is a small hallway closet that has a ladder that leads up to the attic. And the second door immediately after this closet is the door to Luna's bedroom. And if you stand and face Luna's door, directly to your right is the dreaded bathroom door. Standing here myself in this moment, I could recall her story of laying in the bed at night with her bedroom door open and witnessing the two dark figures exit the bathroom and rush down the hallway. It made my hair stand on end now that I was actually in the spaces where all this unsettling activity had supposedly occurred. Hell, I was standing right where Finn was thrown out of the bathroom. But I'll be honest with you, the house, this initial walkthrough, it felt incredibly normal, quiet, peaceful even, which was odd to me, knowing what I knew coming into this space. But let's get back to finishing up the tour. If you enter Luna's bedroom, to the right back corner is another small study attached to the room, and within the study is another small bathroom. The only other space that I didn't mention is a small laundry room that is in the far right corner of the home, just past the kitchen, leading to the back door. I had Luna show me where every single incident had happened to her. Franklin followed and observed the surroundings and took readings. Soon, Alexis had arrived as we were wrapping up the walkthrough with Luna. As far as any of the places that you typically have smells, is that anywhere or is it just all over the place? Usually it's concentrated in the hallway, but the other day when it popped up, it was in every room that I went into. And when I left the laundry room and came to my couch to fold, it was gone. And the smell in the bathroom currently is not the same smell at all. Yeah, like that smells like rat poop and rotting wood. This is very distinct, old, dead, and excrement. When was the last time you used that smell? To, today, in the kitchen, kind of general dining room, hallway area. Going through following this, did you have anything that spiked or anything that was alarming? Mm. No, I mean, most of the live wires, live outlets, um, pretty normal, pretty standard, you know, between zero and three. Nothing really jumped out. Um, the only thing of interest, which I can't figure out yet, is the altar is charged. Um, but there's a candle or a uh, rock light over there, one of those salt lamps, um, but it's not giving off anything. So somehow there's a charge in that area. Not anything high, just a two, but noticeable. There is one area of interest, and it's this beam over here. And I can't tell if there's something behind it because it looks like a solid post. It's a, it has a like a four all the way up it and all the way down it. And I thought it was because of this live outlet over here, but as soon as you go to the outlet, it drops back down. Yeah. But this beam has a four. It was, maybe it was down here. No, 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 yeah, I did see it earlier, higher up. That's the only thing that's really weird. As you heard, there were no significant high EMF readings that Franklin could detect other than the two that he mentioned, and even those were pretty insignificant. 
We always want to check for high levels of EMF because it can affect some people, causing headaches, illness, dizziness, nausea, and sometimes possible hallucinations and paranoia. Seeing as this family has suffered from feelings of always being watched, and Luna's been experiencing a lot of illness since moving into the home, which gets better when she's out of the house, I wanted to ensure that there were no significant amounts of EMF exposure occurring in the home. And based on Franklin's readings, this was not a contributing factor. Aside from this, Luna had already had a person come out to test the house for mold and ruled that out also. So, at this time, before bringing Sarah inside, I had Finn briefly show me around and then I got to meet and speak with his sister, Shiloh. She knew we were the quote-unquote Ghostbusters, and she apparently was eager to share some stories with me. Shiloh, have you had anything happen in the house before? Yes, a few things. You want to show me? Sure. Go. Okay, the first one was in this room. Yeah. Sometimes when I watch TV, I see a male figure go this way, and one time it was a small male figure go this way. But it was really fast. Are they very Are they clear or are they kind of shadowy? They're black. Black in as far as color or actually like black people? Black people. Oh, okay. Okay, also there's one other thing. Today in the blue bathroom, I thought I saw two spirit orbs. What do they look like? Um, the inside was black and it had a thin outline. It was white. At first, I thought they were flies, but then one night after we saw the second one, I didn't think they were flies. How did it move? It was floating. Okay. Did it go into a wall or disappear, or how did it go away? It just disappeared. Snap, disappeared. Oh, wow. Outside, I... I, I think it's just our neighbors, but also sometimes I feel like somebody is plotting up in the attic. What makes you think they're plotting? How does it sound? They're just laughing somewhere dark. And then, does it sound like more than one person talking or laughing at the same time? No, they only laughed at different times. Now that we'd gotten a full walkthrough, it was time to bring Sarah in. Sarah, as always, has no knowledge of the location, the occupants, or the activity. I am always incredibly worried that things are not going to coincide with her readings, bringing all that we do into question. I struggle with this each new case we start, but with this one, this was especially on my mind. I knew how malevolent the activity appeared to be. The putrid odors, the scratches, the physical attacks, the knocking, not to mention the disturbing images that both Luna and Finn had in their mind about what this thing looked like. These were all signs pointing to something dark here. There was also Finn's history with the spirit of Brian following him after the tragedy on Shoal Creek and the possibility of him possessing psychic ability. I had learned from working with Sarah and other psychics such as Elaine Ireland and Sarah Wickham from Elysium that different psychics will see different things at different locations. Most times only certain things will be revealed to a psychic with the gift and some entities or histories remain hidden. I was concerned where Sarah's gift would lead us tonight and was most worried that she wouldn't pick up on the serious activity that ultimately made this family flee their home. I was honestly concerned that she might not discover this darker presence that was the source of the more malevolent and perhaps demonic activity in the home. And this time I wasn't worried for myself or for Sarah. I was concerned about this family not getting the answers they needed to work toward feeling safe in their home again. They'd gone through a lot, and I just didn't want to let them down. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Oh, I'm just going to take a peek into my entrance. Mm. So I immediately drawn to that room, but that's a whole other story. But what's under the house? It's just 
And above, do you have an attic or a crawl space, an attic? Yeah. I'm gonna leave that room to last, but I'd like to circle around, wherever I can circle around. That's yeah. all right. Let's see, I can check mark. Upon entering, Sarah immediately was drawn to Finn's room. It had a drawn curtain in the doorway, but she could sense something strong that she wanted to focus on later. Then, as you heard, she asked about an attic. Sarah wanted to do a full circle of the house and then just give her initial impressions. All right, confirming three different spirits is what I did on that walkthrough. So the first one, so I can't tell if they're male or female. I'm leaning towards the female, but it's still not a positive set on this side of the house. Mostly in the bathroom. So the sounds you'll get is like the scratching sounds when you're in the bathroom door or the knocking or stuff and she moves stuff around. The other sound that I keep hearing and I heard it last night, which kind of freaked me out when I woke up, but the second sound that I'm hearing is a baby sound, like a cooing or a crying sound, but it's associated with that same woman. I'm not sure if her job was because she was a nanny or some kind of like respectively that way because it's not like the baby's constantly crying. It's just like every time I think about it, the association is the baby cooing or the baby crying. It's almost like she was taking care of stuff, right? So that's kind of what I'm getting there. The other one, which I didn't find, which I'm assuming is either under the house or in the attic, but we'll see. I did not find her, so we'll, I'll get into that in just a second. The other side was the little girl that talked to me outside. She actually came out. When she came out, the little girl came out. Her name is Vivian. That was the name that she gave me. I was very, very keen to ask her, do you live here? Like, is this your house? And she said, no. And then I asked, what are you doing? She said, somebody called. They called me in is what she said. I couldn't get a they. What's the answer for the they, right? Like, and so she was just like, I don't know. They called me in. This is I'm here. So she's the pitter patter. She's the feet traveling that you'll hear, especially between these two rooms and kind of almost like running, a, like if they're running the circle, pigtails. So if you are to catch her walking, you're going to catch those pigtails. Okay, listeners, before I get real candid with you, Let's recap what Sarah picked up after her first walkthrough through the house. First, she mentioned a woman who had the energy of a nanny or caregiver. She mentioned that she was mostly concentrated in the far left corner of the home, which was Luna's bedroom, the study, and the attached back bathroom. The activity she would be associated with was knocking, shuffling around the bathroom, and displacing objects. Luna's room, study, and bathroom weren't really areas of reported activity, and the woman's spirit was never once mentioned, felt, or seen by the family. Second, she was picking up on a female child named Vivian with pigtails. She attributed small, playful running down the hallway and around the living areas of the home to her. This, too, was not at all in line with what the family had reported experiencing. The footsteps Finn often heard in the hallway and throughout the home weren't light or playful, and they definitely weren't a child running. Now, back to being candid with you listeners. This didn't feel right. At least what I learned through my in-depth interviews with the family, a child spirit and a caregiving older woman could not be the source of this family's terrifying experiences, and I wasn't sure what to believe in this moment. I trusted Sarah from working with her for years, but I also knew that I could trust this family because I'd seen, in their faces, the emotions, the fears, and the vulnerability that they expressed in the interview process. But there was still one more spirit that Sarah had alluded to. She said there were three spirits that she picked up on this initial walkthrough. I wanted to hear what she had to say about this third presence. It's the male figure that has, not concern, but I'm just trying to figure out why he's 
showing me himself but not showing him himself. Um, and that's the person that I saw initially yesterday in the window. And it was like the exact one is this window right here, exact same window. So he stands in there, but he also walks from the perimeter from that window because I think it's obstructed by the patio stuff. And he likes to look out, so he'll walk this way, walk through, and then stand in front of the other window. That's where he was when we first walked up, kind of like looking like, what's going on? How many, there's people gathered up in the yard. Um, so he's doing that. So this is, this one's the source of my concern. This is the one that causes a lot more chaos than the others. This lady's doing her best to try to like come back, like keep everything peaceful, right? And, and especially because of the kids. But this one's not that way. He's causing a little bit of the chaos, kind of like miscommunications, misunderstandings, things like that. And he creates the, that effect. At night, he likes to roam the house. Oh, yeah. And you'll hear the creaking, the floors, the, things like that. Um, it kicked it up more when you guys started renovating the house. Um, so he's associated with the house. Like that's like something that belongs to the house. So I'm not quite sure if he's a previous owner, if he passed in the house. I keep thinking something died and I keep wanting to look underneath or under the floor. So I don't know, you said there's a lot of cats, but it's not, to me, it's not, a, it's not an animal death, it's a human death. So I think the human death happens here, but it's with a lot of trauma. A lot of, I don't know how to explain it to you, there's a lot of trauma associated with the death, but it's all with this man. But he's taking a vested interest in your oldest son, I think, just because he's at that weird age where they believe and don't believe and they get they freak out, but they, they don't freak out, right? That kind of stuff. So it's that weird little scent. And then he has really good light on him, really good light on him. And that's an attraction for spirits. I mean, little ones, too. But for some strange reason, even I was drawn to you immediately. So there's something something else going on that's attracting that sense. Um, but that's where you get messed with. If you're in the shower, you're going to hear a lot of things. If you've got your headphones on, you'll feel a lot of the tapping, you know, kind of like the disruption, or you'll get waved out a lot where you just turn. But again, you have your hair in your face, so you might be dismissing it, but it actually might be somebody trying to get your attention, right? Okay, so there were a few hits here, a few big hits. Sarah mentioned being most concerned about this third presence, a male who she felt was actually tied to this home, possibly a former owner. She mentioned that there was a lot of trauma surrounding his death and even felt he might have died in the home. She kept being pulled to the hallway and feeling either a death or that human remains were somehow under the hallway floor, under the house. This was hard to line up because what Luna knew, the previous owners, did not die in the home. I would need to do some more research to confirm this, however. Sarah went on to mention that this male liked to roam the house at night, which quickly resonated with Luna and Finn. She also mentioned that he liked to stir up things, cause fights, and break the family apart, which is something that Luna had felt was going on the whole time they've been in this house. And lastly, she alluded to what Alexis and I had theorized, that Finn has a gift. Sarah called it a light, but what she's referring to is psychic ability. I don't know if you caught it, but Sarah literally said if you are in the shower or you have your headphones on, you're going to get messed with because he wants to get your attention. Finn was literally listening with headphones to music because he couldn't sleep the night that he was attacked in the bathroom, and he was scratched in the bath. Sarah was hitting on very specific moments here. It was at this moment that I glanced at Sarah's notepad, in which she'd been vigorously writing and sketching in the whole time during the walkthrough. My eyes were drawn to a couple of scribbled names on the pad. I immediately grabbed Finn to show him. You'll hear when Finn spots the name. In shock, he breathes heavily, then begins to laugh. 
without giving her too much, don't give her any anything yet. Can you turn that around? Would you come look at the names on this? So I have different names that kind of popped into my head on this end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's a pretty big name for you to get uh, for him. So I'm curious to know what what are these names? Like, can you kind of talk they about how they came to you? Came to me. So I can flip it around so I can look who I'm looking at. There were only two names on the notepad. The one that I recognized immediately and that had significance to Finn was the name Brian. So the Corbin or the Corby, I couldn't really pin down that name really straight, but it was associated with a number, which was that 1409. I'm not quite sure what that number is. This Brian, though, came out really strong, but that happened right when I was like at the initial start of meditating, just meditating on coming here. Um, it just slammed right into my head like like hey this is me um but it didn't come with any other kind of messaging so i just wrote it down because it just came in but it, i didn't really do anything other than jot stuff down i wasn't concentrating on any of the names except when they came i just wrote them down just to get them out of my system these were the names that were associated with what i was doing when i started meditating on it with nothing else relating to the name brian to explore yet sarah moved on to discussing the male presence and the older woman briefly before revealing a pain that she had developed and that was intensifying during the investigation. If we're looking at emotions, this is anger. This one's anger, not sure why. She's just kind of there. I, I don't know, I'm not worried about her. But the time, the whole time that I've been, actually it started before we even got here, just the thought of me coming here today, even before I got across it, I have a really bad pain on my side. It's been doing this all evening long. I'm not quite sure, but it's really bothering me. And it got worse when we got here. So I've been sitting a bit or kind of like trying not to, I'm shallow breathing because it really does hurt. I'm not quite sure if it's associated with the spirit that maybe you know or something, but it is pain. So it's causing, it's illness, something's going on. Um, in fact, your dad's asleep. I can't check him out. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not seeing it on you guys. And I don't know if any of you guys are in pain. Can you? touch where it's hurting you? It's like all this one side. It really hurts to take deep breaths. It really hurts to take deep breaths. Like I've been kind of smashing it in to try to figure out how to get it to go away and it just hasn't and it just kept getting worse and worse. As I, as I got here, it just got worse. Um, I mean, I can't speak for my father, but I have an autoimmune disease and uh, I have ulcerative colitis, so I have a lot of GI, GI tract stuff issues. going and arthritis and it... It didn't get really bad to where I had to be hospitalized repeatedly since I moved in here. Since you moved in here. Mm -hmm. I'm mostly sick here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just weird. At the moment we got started to get ready to, I was perfectly fine most of the day. And then I was like, all right, it's time to go to, and I stood up and I couldn't stand all the way up. And I was like, oh, oh. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna get dressed. And then I got here and it got worse, worse. The closer I, came in, the worse it started getting. So I sat for a little bit because I couldn't stand up straight. And I still feel like I can't take full deep breaths because it still hurts. And that's just, it's not something that happens. <laughs> so that's I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, you don't get that usually. I don't cases. get that. Anything else that you're getting like, or any odd senses or things we need to look into? Besides the smell and then the haze, everything's floating up. I, is there a way to get into the attic? Yeah, through yeah. this part. Okay, can we, can we take a peek? Yeah, it's kind of a precarious... Uh, That's okay, let's see first. <laughs> it appeared that Sarah was still being drawn to the attic, and it appeared that I was going to have to have a look myself. When we get back from this short break, our investigation of this home continues. 
where we'll venture into the attic, finally explore Finn's room, and most importantly, dig deeper into this elusive male spirit that Sarah is most concerned about for this family. Stay tuned. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp Online Therapy. For 10% off your first month, be sure to go to betterhelp.com slash and start living a better life today. Therapy can be a great tool for dealing with all of life's struggles. It can be a perfect solution for those needing to unload stress, deal with emotional healing, or deal with anxiety and depression. Why fight these battles alone when there's someone out there trained to help you through these seemingly insurmountable obstacles? I certainly am no stranger to life's difficulties and understand how, for many people, the stress and difficulties dealing with these emotional and trying situations can be too much to handle without the help of a therapist who knows what they are going through and, more importantly, knows how to deal with each unique situation. I have several friends that have sought out therapy to deal with stressful situations in their lives, and for them, it was exactly what they needed to help cope with those situations, find ways to work through them, and give them the confidence and hope that they needed to move forward. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, whether it be for personal healing, to unload stress, or relief from any of life's constant battles, BetterHelp Online Therapy is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. After filling out a brief survey, you'll be matched with a therapist to help you with your specific needs, and therapists can be switched at any time. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash and start living a better life today. We've all heard the old adage, money can't buy happiness. But not having to worry about your money so much can certainly bring a smile to your face. That's where Chime comes in. Chime is a financial technology company founded on the premise that basic banking services should be helpful, easy, and free. And they were recently named the number one most loved banking app in America. As a struggling artist, I know firsthand how frustrating it is to put your hard-earned money into a bank only to have it continuously depleted by monthly account maintenance fees and other cleverly hidden charges some banks impose. It is certainly refreshing when you find a financial institution like Chime an institution that wants to profit with their members, not from them. So what does Chime have to offer that's earned them the title number one banking app? First of all, Chime has no minimum balance requirements, no credit checks, and no monthly or hidden service fees. Chime members can enjoy fee-free overdraft privileges up to $200, they can get their paychecks up to two days earlier, and they can send or receive money instantly to family and friends. As mentioned, Chime offers a no-fee checking account, but they also offer savings accounts with a 2% annual percentage yield and credit builder accounts which include a Visa credit card with no annual fees or interest. The Chime app allows you to receive instant transaction alerts anytime you use your Chime debit card. Simply turn on daily notifications and you will always know what's happening with your money. In short, the Chime banking app allows you to effortlessly manage your money 24-7. See for yourself why Chime is so loved by going to Chime.com slash Night Owl. That's C-H-I-M-E dot com slash Night Owl. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit cards provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. See Chime.com slash SpotMe. Chime was the 2021 number one most downloaded banking app in the U.S. according to Apptopia. Visit Chime.com slash Recalling what I'd heard in my interviews regarding the more recent activity from the attic, I was curious what Sarah was picking up regarding this space. 
The recent noises included loud shuffling and thuds, and there had been an interesting correlation between Finn and Shiloh hearing voices that seemed to be plotting something. Throughout the night, Sarah was pointing out that she was hearing multiple voices in a low whisper, and that they seemed like they were chanting or praying, perhaps. Like secrets almost, like I'm hearing whispers, like quiet. And then I keep hearing and seeing like ritual things over and over again. So very, I want to say like routine, but still ritualistic, like still consistently, like maybe putting things out all the time. I'll explain it. Uh, Can you um, elaborate on the... I'm curious about some of the things you said about whispering, that kind of thing. What is that sounding like to you? In my head, it just sounds like, um, it sounds almost like chanting or like, um, I don't know, something that you would repeat over and over again, but very low key. Um, even, it even sounds like there's two voices, like almost like there's one that starts it and the other that's kind of initiating it. But the, the it's not a conversation. It's like a repetition. The voices would be soft, like female voices or, or smaller. I don't to explain it. It just keeps happening over and over and over again. The thought of my thought is like the way that they did the Hail Marys, like when I was younger, with when would say, you know, the one lady would say one thing and the other lady would say the other one, like, and it would kind of just volley back and forth. But what's, what's weird is that it's at a low whisper. Like, it's not like a full conversation, like almost like the rosary or something like that. Like I can hear the repetition of it. I'm not sure if what Sarah was hearing was in the attic or if it even had anything to do with the plotting voices that Finn and Shiloh had heard recently, but one little note from my interviews came to mind. The story that Luna shared with me about the person who sold her the home, saying he'd heard it was once a funeral home. The chanting and praying in a whisper is what you would hear at a place of business like that. However, I had not done my deep dive into research yet, so I had no way of knowing if this house was once in fact a funeral home. I just wanted to make note of this before we moved into the attic. Alright. Okay, Juan is going up into the attic to just take a few shots. It's right there. The attic was very difficult to access. The ladder was in a very narrow closet in the hallway and it wasn't easy to climb in such a tight space. We had one of our team photographers with us that night, Juan, and he volunteered to just go up and grab some photos and video for Sarah to look at. I followed him halfway up the ladder and he captured some photos and videos to share with Sarah. There wasn't much to the attic, to be honest. There was just beams and insulation, nothing else. It was quiet too, and when Sarah looked at the photos and video, she seemed okay to move on and not focus our attention there. So we did. It'd been nearly two hours, and to my surprise, Sarah was never pulled to the hallway bathroom. She also never called out any malevolent activity that the family could experience from any of the spirits that she was finding in the home. She did mention that the male spirit was of concern, but I was honestly not feeling like we'd narrowed in on some legitimate answers for this family yet. So, it was time to just simply start letting the family have conversations with Sarah and see where this took us. We began out in the patio with Luna, since the home was somewhat noisy with the air conditions running. Do you think that the male that has a lot of the pain, do you think he could make other people in the house feel pain? Yes. Most definitely. Misery loves company. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think he suffered a long time with this kind of pain and it may very well have killed him. Right. So um, but that's not our, you know, he needs to release that and kind of just let some let it go. That's the one thing. So we have to figure out what's the deal. Okay. Right. Where do you feel his energy the most? He's most he's right behind me. <laughs> so he's mostly in this room right Sarah here. Sarah pointed directly to Finn's bedroom window. 
So it was becoming clear that this male presence, believed to be a former owner of the home, had a strong tie to Finn's room. So when you guys go to bed, he'll pace the house. Yeah. He'll pace the house. He'll come out of that room, pace around, all the way around it, just kind of looking through the whole house. That's what he does. Yeah, at bedtime, I feel like I can't go into those rooms. I feel like once I'm in bed, I have to close my door. And if I do go out there, I feel like I'm being watched. Like someone's like, okay, are you going back to your bedroom now? Yeah, that's, that's how that's it feels. Him. Because in your room, you're, you have the safety of the other woman, right? Mm-hmm. She's making sure that everything is okay and everything gets closed. I'm not quite sure why she's taken that particular position, why she's only in that space. She doesn't come back out to the rest of the house. It's only in that space. So I'm not quite sure why she's got those boundaries set for herself, right? What the deal is. Or maybe he set the boundaries and said, sure, you can stay here, but you have to stay in there. Vivian is the interesting thing because child spirits have a very different set of rules when it comes to being a spirit. They can pretty much do whatever they want. They don't really... Yeah, they're so just innocent in, in play that they just do whatever they want. So it does not surprise me that if she got called in, that it could have been from this particular woman who said, hey, why don't you come over here and play? There's a child here, right? Almost your same age. Okay. You know, come come over here and play because she needed a pair of eyes on the outside of the house. Oh, wow. Okay. And so Vivian goes, <laughs> she can do whatever she wants. And the other spirit doesn't really, doesn't really bother her. Okay. Right? It's kind of like, oh yeah, okay. So it's like they're respecting their boundaries. After this brief conversation on the patio with Luna, I knew it was time to discuss the serious activity with Sarah. However, I didn't want to possibly aggravate the male presence, so we decided to move the entire team and the family into Luna's bedroom, where Sarah claimed he could not enter due to the more caregiving woman's presence having a boundary. The thing I want to do is we're going to bring up some of the more sensitive topics that we didn't really reveal to Sarah yet things that y'all are actually kind of concerned about and that y'all came to us for. She's picking up on some things that are correlating, right? There's a few things here and there, but I feel like there's a big thing that is not being touched on the elephant in the room. And I feel like we should at least start to introduce that in some way and see if Sarah can pick up if there's something to that, or if it's just this other thing that she's been seeing this man causing some of this stuff that y'all have been experiencing. Anything that Sarah was saying that sort of clicked with you that you that matched some of your experiences? Yeah. Brian is a is a really big one. The man. What have you picked up from the man, like based on what you've sensed or felt or seen? Uh standing in my doorway. I always feel like someone's watching me from my doorway. I hear him walking in the kitchen or in the d- living room. You told us about an experience that happened in the bathroom. It was a pretty heavy experience. Can you tell Sarah what happened? I got thrown in the bathroom, like thrown through the room. And uh, I got all the wind knocked out of me when I hit the ground. And I passed out beforehand from lightheaded and wooziness. I've I've also heard (laughs) scratching on the door, which I thought was someone trying to open the door. And then Yora mentioned last time about uh, knocks. Uh, knocking in the hallway, like inside the wall from the hallway, or um, from over here, like from the closet area into my room, in threes. Throwing doesn't surprise me at all. I'm just trying to think, what were you doing prior to? Were you just taking a shower or? 
uh, actually that night I couldn't sleep because of my closet. Uh, I felt like someone was there or something was watching me and I was tossing and turning so I wanted to get out of my room so I went to the bathroom and just sat down on the toilet just to sit there and listen to music and relax and then and then it happened. So because this man is very territorial and you can tell by the sharking, I call it sharking, you know how the sharks kind of just pattern back and forth. So he does it quite a bit, especially when they're in bed. Um, mom is well protected, but he is a big open light. And so that knocking, those three knockings, is actually something that happens when somebody's, when a spirit is trying to get your attention. And since you're not acknowledging it, the more you don't acknowledge it, the more upset they start to get. And uh, it's not helpful. But this man has no, there's something about having a teenager in the room, right in the house. Something about it. I don't know what it is. Um, that really kind of sets him on edge because he does things that are different, right? It's different from a different time. He's from a different time period. Yeah. So he's expecting you to do something differently. But also at night, he's not expecting somebody to be up and awake. So he's wanting to patrol. He's wanting to do that. So he probably just didn't realize who you were and yeah. was defending. That's probably why he threw you through the wall because it probably never happened again. Yeah, it has, still hasn't happened. And I can now I can walk around the house at like, if I can't sleep, and I, I can yeah. walk around at like four or five. I think it was honestly an honest, it was a mistake. It was like, oops, sorry. I didn't know who you were. I thought you were somebody else. This man has a lot of anger in him. So um, the fact that he's patrolling the house tells me that he was already one of those people that was consistently about safety, security, that kind of stuff. And, and then add the violence on top. So I think he was already just a volatile person. So he's still a volatile spirit. He's the one that I really am concerned about the most. So it seemed that Sarah believed that this volatile male spirit was the one who attacked Finn in the bathroom. We were curious to have Sarah hear about the other attacks to see if she would attribute them to the same male presence. One time in the bathroom, uh, there was this really, really strong burning sensation on my like outer upper thigh. And I immediately took a picture and showed mom. And then uh, when we were moving the furniture around in my room, um, I had to sleep in there in the living room for like three, four nights. And one night it was scratches up my arms. And then the other night it was all on my chest. And then the third night it was everywhere and my neck. And then the fourth night it just stopped. Someone wants to make a big point. It's co not coincidental, but so coincidental that it's only happened to you, Finn, because of the light that you have inside. It's that kind of stuff. So I can show you how to protect yourself from that so it doesn't happen again. But again, it's still that same man. It's not any of the other spirits. So you're talking about this light, mm -hmm. and that's what's going to segue into Brian. Okay. Alexis and I heard a story from Finn. You don't have to go into too much detail. There was this thing that happened on Shoal Creek. It was this tragic incident. I was one of the first people to show up there to try and help. As I was getting there, I feel like that's when Brian kind of started following me. And for, I think, a year or two after that, he stuck with me and followed me around. And I, I, I could have full-blown conversations with him. Like we would people watch together. Like we would watch people walk by on the street and then have a conversation about them. 
and I remember one day he just left. I don't remember saying goodbye or anything like that, but it's really funny that you thought of him when you were premeditating coming over here because earlier today when I was in the shower, I thought of him. So when you're, and everybody has this, there's a gland that sits right behind your heart, right? It's a thymus gland, it's a visual gland. It just kind of sits there. When you are born, the gland is activated. So it's consistently working. This gland acts as your third eye as you grow, right? That's what it does. So when you hit 13, 14, the gland actually stops working and it turns on your third eye. This gland, what it does when you turn it on as an adult past the age of 13 is all it does is help you with your immune system. It helps you fight off infection. So you can turn it on at will whenever you want to. The interesting thing about it though, is this is this particular gland is the one that's kind of active when you're a child and lets you see all of the spaces, all of the spirits that are floating around in the space, right? Once it starts going to sleep, the ability starts to change because that's when you start applying dismissive things. It's the trick of the light. There's nothing in there. You start dismissing those things that you used to just accept when you were a little kid. The problem is your third eye is turning on and all these other spirits know that, right? So they're messing with you because you literally are the only one in the house who can actually communicate and speak with them. So the more, the more you ignore them, the more extreme they have to be to get your attention, right? This particular spirit, though, is just violent in nature, and he does have a really weird, I don't know how to say it, a very weird thing about teenage boys, right? Like, they're going to destroy everything, or they're going to do something, like something about the safety, something about that, that's kind of in there. So he just, you know, one was like, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to do it, and the other was like, maybe he was trying to get your attention, and that's why. The scratches are coming from him, but I don't know why he did that. Like, what was he trying to do? What was he trying to get your attention to do? And you slept through it. Mm-hmm. You're also blowing out the bathroom now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing. I'm like, what is he afraid of? Let me change my position here, but explain to me, like, you have, you have a lot of history with that bathroom and there's more to it. Like, you, you, you felt you needed to do something in the bathroom, correct? I had Luna detail for Sarah the many other experiences that led them to want to demolish this bathroom. Sarah wanted to spend some time in it and see what she could pick up. I can go sit there for a bit. And not much came of it, other than Sarah confirming that it was a space that the male presence patrolled at night. To describe the emotions that sometimes happen in the home, but they're different outside the home. Talk about that as well. Yes, we are very cranky with each other. Actually, just before you guys showed up, we were griping at each other. And I had, um, when I moved in, I had a partner and we got along very well. But once we were settled in here, we fought constantly. We never fought like that. that Never fought like that. That's that man. There is so much anger and volatility surrounding him. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he, my ex-boyfriend put his hands on me a couple of times and he never did that before we moved in here. And I just didn't, I just didn't understand the anger from him. Or even from us, like, I feel angrier here. But then when we leave the house, headaches, my headaches go away, my pain goes away. We're always joking around in the car, having a good time, making all these plans. And then at the same time, it's very hard for us to get out of the house. We have to force each other out of the house, too. So it's just, it's heavy. 
heavy energy. That's just him. Even she's confirming it. It really is just him. We'll have to figure out a way to get him out. And everything's pointing to this man. He's very violent, very angry. And he's a very angry man. He won't come in here. He won't come in here because of her. At the most, you'll get him at the, that's probably why you close your door. You'll get him at the doorway. But he won't come in here because she's already taken over the space. Um, she's that nanny woman that I'm telling you about. She's the one that's up in this, on this side. One interesting thing I noted here was how Sarah kept reiterating that the male presence does not enter Luna's room. Reviewing my interview with Luna and my notes, I realized that this is somewhat validated by what's been reported. The stench has never been in her room, and the sightings that she's had, even the more recent one in her study where she believed to see Finn in the doorway, was just a male presence peering in at her. So I made a note of this and wanted to see if more could connect later. I asked Sarah in this moment if the male presence was actually communicating with her clearly or more in riddles, because sometimes she reports spirits avoid clear communication with her. He's not really talking to me. He's just kind of sending, I don't know, he's pushing. He's sending me things, but it's not as an answer to any of my questions. It's more like, I'm just going to send you this. He is not liking the fact that there's a lot of men in the house. That is something that's really just not flying with him right now. So there needs to be a claim made on the house, right? Because you're taking the primary position of the home as the homeowner, you're, near, you're going to need to claim your house from this man, <laughs> right? You need to really do the, this is my space. I'm already here. The house is already going to kind of back it up because the house wants you to be in here because you are loving the house instead of it being abandoned. And I think when he owned it, he really didn't pay a lot of attention to it anyway. Something happened and it just changed how he viewed things and what he did. So I'm not sure if that's because of the association of this woman. So I'm not quite sure if they're tied together or if they're not, right? But something must have happened or he was just so bad that it soured a lot of his life. And then he just kind of died alone and sad, right? Alone, sad, and pain by himself. But he still has this thing that he's got to patrol or protect the home because it's his, right? It's his territory. So we need to claim it back. So we might have to do that. So we need to offer him away out by himself. Like before we start pushing him out, let's give him an option. Let's give him an option by telling him you're no longer the owner. The house doesn't even want you here. After hearing everything that this family had gone through, Sarah still believed that this male presence was the culprit behind all the physical attacks, the oppressive feelings, feelings of being watched, the negative mood swings, and the sounds of patrolling the house. She never could detect the foul odor, however. Instead, she smelt a very strong men's cologne that she could not trace to any of the team or family. But there was still one thing that was really bugging me. The eerie imagery that both Luna and Finn had seen that this presence represented. The horned figure bleeding and spitting out black liquid in Luna's case, and the very thin creature that Finn saw when he was attacked in the bathroom. I wasn't sure how this connected to this older male presence that Sarah was seeing in the home. The last bit of this that's really weird, they both have seen what, what would be to anyone else's judgment would be like demonic because it's like a, a, a scrawny thing with horns yeah. or with it's evil a eyes it's a malevolent spirit it's not a it's not a demon mm-hmm. so he's just trying to scare us yeah it's, yeah, a malevolent spirit. it's kind of similar to what happened at um in new braunfels new braunfels case yeah. yeah 
The thing is, it's the association with the house. The thing is, Finn is just a magnet, so I don't know. It's not your fault. <laughs> not your fault. Not your fault. It is what it is. So he's going to attract any kind of passerby. I mean, there's a lot of passerbys here in general. Like, this whole area is really weird. Because we even moved when we were waiting. Because I was like, nope, something's wrong. I don't know. Let me go sit around and see. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Sarah decided that she wanted to spend the last few minutes sitting in silence on the hallway floor. We remained quiet and let her meditate for a bit. And when she was done, she was positive our main concern regarding all the negative activity in the home was tied to this malpresence. She believed he was a former owner who lived in the home, and sitting in the hallway, she was picking up strongly that his death happened in that hallway or remains were under the house there under that hallway. She believed that's why he patrolled that area often. His death was in the middle of the floor. I think that's why he keeps swooping back and forth. The whispering, that back and forth kind of conversation that's having with these women uh, is also like an echo. So I'm wondering what's with the cons consistent prayer. And that's again, it's like usually if I'm hearing a real echo, it'll be live. Like you and me, I'm talking to Franklin, right? Kind of, it's not going to be like, this is what it's going to be. Like, I'm not hearing that. It would be like a straight conversation. And it's weird that it's whispering. So I don't know if it's like somebody else is sending you, maybe helping you or doing something, but that's kind of conversation I'm having the interesting thing though is the ad of the ritualistic type of offering and stuff that's happening to that too but it's still again it's an echo it's not a live thing that's happening in the house Sarah was hearing the whispered chanting or praying more but still believed it to be more residual an echo and not something an intelligent spirit or spirits were doing in the house but now that we had a potential culprit for the negative activity we needed to figure out what we could actually do about it what do you think we should do first for this male presence? Like, what are you, what are you picking up? Well, I think like Sarah said, like first give him the option to leave, but then if he says no, don't give him the option. Yeah. And we, we'd have to force him out. The hard thing is I don't know where he is. It sounds like he's in the attic, but I mean, I can always call other friends to come get him. Well, that's Sarah. I guess she'll know where he's at. Yeah, but that's that's my 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 biggest thing is like, I mean, we don't want to force him out. He's in pain. Yeah. He's angry. You know, been there, done that. So give him the option first to see if that's something he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And then if if he doesn't want to do that, then we, we can get him out. What does that look like if we have to get him out? I would probably have to come back another day and bring him with heavy artillery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we needed to gently offer the male presence a chance to go on his own accord. And we needed Sarah's help with this, but if he refused, it appeared that we were going to have to regroup and come back with more ammo, according to Alexis. So Sarah attempted to strike up a conversation with the male presence to see if he'd actually go peacefully. How do you, okay, I'm gonna show him this. Um. Touch your nerve. Okay. I told him the house wasn't his and he got mad. This house isn't yours anymore. You're gonna have to leave. You keep hurting these people. You can't keep doing that. You can't. You need to move. No, he doesn't want to. I'll give you time to decide. Not a lot. 
Sadly, the male presence was not going to go peacefully. We were going to have to pack up and leave this family to try to sleep in their home, knowing that this male presence may in fact be patrolling and watching them. I couldn't leave them like this. So I pulled Sarah and Alexis aside and asked them if there was anything at all we could do to help buy them some peace while we were away planning our next move. They both determined that they could set boundaries for the male presence and give the family some level of peace during our absence. Together, Sarah and Alexis marked the home and did spiritual work to give the male presence boundaries and clear paths that he could roam. Sarah defined what he was allowed to do and where he was allowed to go. Sarah also pulled Finn aside and showed him how to use his light to protect himself and his family. It wasn't ideal, but we left the family feeling as best as they could until we could return and see if this male presence had had enough time to decide to go peacefully on his own or if he was going to put up a fight. Join us for this case's shocking conclusion on December 26th. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Night Owl Podcast. And consider becoming a patron and supporting our show on patreon.com slash the night owl podcast to stay up to date with our show's news and events. Stay restless out there. I'd like to thank my investigative team, Sarah, Alexis, Franklin, for going on these crazy adventures with me. Nicholas Fair for his talented musical contributions to this show. Jennifer for managing our merch, Patreon, and many other irrational tasks I throw her way. My dad, Sam, for his incredible historical research. Bo for helping produce this busy indie show. Mikey for his assistance editing this particular episode. Sandra for keeping us all on schedule and on budget. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.